Hello, Logic friends. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by Cinesis.io. These guys have been my reseller for over 15 years, and we could not do what we do without them. They're fantastic partners, no matter what size your business. To find out more about their remote workflow solutions, check them out at Cinesis.io. If you haven't signed up for the forum yet, do it now at forum.logic.tv. It is the number one place for flame artists. We have nearly a thousand users, lightning fast response times, and over 120,000 page views per month. Plus, you'll get access to the Logic Discord server for real-time audio and video chat. Sign up for free at forum.logic.tv. I was in version land today, <laughs> and it was really? like the perfect thing to talk with you about because it was uh, it was so, it was a situation where um, connected conform would have actually been utterly pointless. Really, like, yeah. Be, well, maybe some of the underlying thing, like the I use the same shots. Well, let me rewind a little bit, okay? <laughs> like, this thing started out as uh, just a straight up sixteen by nine. And then over the weekend, it was like, hey, holiday week, bless you, uh, Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's cat is allergic to uh, uh, office talk, apparently. Apparently. Um, the <laughs> office gossip, right? <laughs> so this spot start, started out as a 16 by 9. And then over the weekend, a holiday weekend, Monday, mm. I was told that like everything needs to go on Monday. All needs to ship. There's 9 by 16s with 4 by 5s. And uh, here's all the rough cuts. And that's when I realized then and there that, you know, oh, wow. So some of these things are going to need like specific comps. Like some of the shots need more headroom or, you know, yeah. more framing. And so almost all the cut downs had like extensive use of transitions, like um, like Sapphire transitions, Sapphire OFX transitions. Yeah. And in some of the spots, I was able to use the transition in the timeline. And then in other spots, I had to go into a BFX because in the original spot, it was a transition between two shots. But then in like the six second cut down, the editor turned it into like a compound transition. I was going to call it a thripple. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's three, you know, like, yeah. so it was one of these things where like, honestly, there was no way around it other than like roll up your sleeves, you know, raise your fist to the heavens and, uh, shake it and then get to work and just do it, you know? So. Yeah, I do know. It's funny. I'm working on a very similar spot where I have those transitions and I do have a thripple in mine where it's <laughs> one shot to another shot to another shot. But yeah, I mean, in those scenarios, I don't think there's any solution that'll do everything. It's just, just what you said. You have to kind of own the spot and you have to know how to make the changes when they come. I don't think there's any good way to solve that. And to the listener at home, it, it's almost like Jeff and I work for the same company and are working on two different spots on the same account cut by the same editor <laughs> who's going through a thripple phase right now <laughs> as part of his or her creative journey. A thripple phase. <laughs> it's like a thripple threat. <laughs> so I wanted to start this off with uh, a series of questions that I've never asked any of my other previous podcast guests, but I figure... Let's get this out of the way. Wow. I'm honored. Because these are the questions. Well, thank you, Jeff. These are the questions that um, our listening audience kind of needs to know. Hmm. Um, horizontal or vertical reels? Horizontal for me. Okay. Smoke or flame hotkeys? Flame hotkeys. I knew I liked you from the very beginning. <laughs> 
keyboard layout? Uh, is your keyboard uh, t- to the side? Like, uh, is it to the left or right of your tablet, or is it above your tablet? I am a very controversial flame artist on this one. I'm I'm more of a mouse person. I know it's controversial. Controversial. So my tablet is off to the side until I need it. So my keyboard has all the real estate in the world, and my tablet is pretty much in the closet. And then once I need a tablet for stuff, like painting, I pull out the tablet and it goes in front of my keyboard, just where you might find it on other flame artists' tables. Uh, and then when I'm done painting, I put it back in the closet. The reason why I'm asking this is again, like some, I'm sure that on the on the uh, on on Logic Live or on the podcast on the forum, some people at home uh, might have picked up on the fact that Jeff and I work together. Hmm. But um, Jeff and I have only physically been in the same space maybe like five times. Yeah, about that or something like that. Five yeah. or six times. Five or six now. You know, Jeff. Jeff started with us. Like his start date was it was. Or your his your your start date was like March twentieth or something. It was it was like the the Monday after the world shut down. That's right. You know. So even though we've been working together for like nineteen months or something like that, I still have no idea what your reels layout is or what your, what shortcuts you use or even yeah. like what your configuration of tablet to keyboard is. <laughs> so this was just as much for me as it was for everybody at home. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. That's. Is is that the the new way things are going to be? Is 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 this just a a 2020 and 2021 thing? Who knows? Well, I think we're about to find out. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to say, but oh man, I also wanted to ask you about the microphone. Oh yeah. Like again, like I hired or we hired Jeff and then we had to figure out like quickly how we were going to do like run a visual effects company at home. It was decided by our production office that we were all going to use Zoom. We go in for the first like Zoom and everybody basically says hello to Jeff and, and Jeff introduces himself with like a hello into this into this microphone <laughs> that is so beautiful. <laughs> it's like everybody just went, oh, <laughs> wait a minute. And then I immediately went like, I got to get myself one of these microphones because this sounds too good. You know? Yeah. So why do you have this set up at home? Yeah, well, first, before it escapes my brain, that that's an easy question because I know the answer. But before before I forget, I want to say it's it's funny because it's a very unconscious thing. Microphone quality, I think video quality and microphone quality, but I think microphone quality takes the cake for how important it is on a subconscious level. On so many levels, it's important to have good audio quality because you want to listen to that person more. And And I think all all I really have to say, I don't have to drone on. But all I have to say is really all you have to do is listen to someone who has terrible microphone quality to understand what I'm getting at. And yeah, it makes a big difference. Um, But the reason that I have this microphone is completely unrelated to quarantine or anything. It was that when I was in high school, I was, you know, finding my way in the world. One of the things I was exploring because my jazz band teacher also taught a Pro Tools class in high school, which is crazy. It's crazy knowing how industry standard Pro Tools is, but you know it, it made sense because I liked band stuff, and so he was doing this, and so I'm like, oh yeah, this is like the next level. This is recording. So I took that class. It was great. Learned a lot. And then at the end of it, my dad, as a gift to me, gave me a copy of Pro Tools and a pair of these Rode NT1A studio recording microphones, and it was wonderful. It was incredible. It was a it was it was very nice of him. It was a great gift. And then I proceeded to record bands in college with these mics. And when I was done recording bands and in the professional world, I 
learned that I can use them just at home as a microphone. So that's their that's their latest use. So they've had a they've had a long history, and they're get we sure are getting our money's worth out of them. That's for sure. Let's see. That oh was, my god, yes. that was maybe fifteen years ago that we got these microphones. So yeah, they they stood the test of time, and they're still great. That's that's amazing. I had no idea that that's how you got into all this, or that you know that was like your or I shouldn't say got into all this. That was like your entree into production or post production or anything was in high school. That's one. Mine was in high school as well. You know, somebody I had a teacher who, who like saw the spark. You know, mm. or, and and just and I still talk to that guy. You know, like to oh this wow, day. that's great. Yeah, it, that was just you know just as you said, a great a great way to put it. It was like the entree. It was you know one entree of multiples. The, the my very first one was definitely After Effects. I uh, I learned After Effects in a book. I had a very obscure class called Media Interns in high school. Again in high school, and all it really was was a teacher saying, "Do what you want," which is crazy. And so I like found a book on After Effects and taught myself After. Like the teacher had no idea what After. Like he knew what After <laughs> Effects was, but he didn't really know how to use it. It was kind of up to us. So yeah, that was my first foray into the world. And then from there, as many After Effects artists do, they found Andrew Kramer. And from Andrew Kramer, <laughs> I found right. Cinema 4D. And from Cinema 4D, my eyes are open in the world of 3D and you know After Effects. And so then I was well-equipped to go into the post-production world. And when I was an entry-level post-production person, that's where I found Flame. What a perfect segue. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, do you remember your very first day like on Flame, your first Flame? Let me ask you two things. One, your first like encounter where like, you know, you walked into a room and said, Ooh, what's that? And then do you remember your first like day, your first session or the first thing you worked on? Uh, it's, it's hard to think of the first thing I worked on. I do remember the first moment that I saw flame and you'll be, I think there are two moments that stand out to me. One you'll be happy to hear about because it was at a flame user group. I was an intern at a tiny post-production studio. And one of the motion graphics guys who did not know Flame, uh, he, he was a Maya guy, Maya and After Effects. And he said, he was like, he took me under his wing. Really nice guy. Very, very nice guy. And he said, I heard about this Flame user group. I know what Flame is. I don't know the first thing about it, but we're going. So me and him, Wow. it was funny. It was, it was just down the block. It was very convenient. So like after work one day, we just walked over there and I, I couldn't tell you all the specifics, but I, what I do remember is that it was a breakdown of the Vikings promo introduction and it blew Oh, me I totally remember away. that one. Holy crap. Of all the, of all the user groups to go see, that one was pretty darn advanced and sure was intimidating. So like I, I, I saw that and I was like, wow, flame that, that sure is complicated. And I remember I looked up some like behind the scenes flame stuff and I remember I saw the the big promo and i don't know if you know this this is very obscure this is like a google search but the big promo for flame then which is like 2013 i think was the um it was like a toothbrush commercial that it was for uh like a caveman guy was brushing his teeth and he was like they were changing his outfit they were transitioning between different outfits i don't remember what it was for or anything but that was another thing that they said that they used flame and it was like so intimidating because it was just like the most advanced visual effects you can imagine. The, those are those are the two things that I remembered about Flame when I first started. I was like, wow, what an intimidating program. And did they, did, did they have Flame where you were working at the time or no? The first place I was interning at, no, it was a, um, that was where James was, by the way, side note. The, the first place I was interning was 
strictly editorial audio and and motion graphics, um, but no finishing really. It was uh, it was promos for uh, Nickelodeon, so it was. I mean, I guess you know, in hindsight, it very well could have used flame finishing, but in this pipeline, it didn't use it. But then, in my very first like official job, that was at Nice Shoes, and they certainly had a few flame artists there. Oh and yeah, that was really the the other big memory moment for my first time using flame. It was, I think, it was when I was given the tour of the studio. I remember there was these two flame artists in a very small room. It was like one of the secondary rooms, and they were just like. You know, in front of in front of Flame that I now know as Flame. I didn't know what the program was, and they were just working on a shot. They turned around, they said hello, and they went back to work. And it was very like again the the unifying factor here is complicated. Didn't know what it was. A lot going on because you know I I was a young guy. I don't think I was too overconfident, but I knew how my way around After Effects. I knew my way around Cinema 4D definitely didn't know my way around flame. And I, I'm sure one of the biggest complaints from people who aren't flame artists is just kind of the intimidation of the user interface. And I can certainly see that from from the unconscious things that I walked away with in my first impressions of flame. That's kind of where I, where I was as well. But as someone who's been using it for a couple of years now, not at all intimidated. Once you get used to it, like I'm sure many things, it's it's not intimidating. It's it's like home now. I also remember when I met you, like when I interviewed you, I asked I asked you as part of the interview a question that I ask every flame artist that I interview for a position. Hmm. And that is, so what's your favorite part of the job? Like what's your favorite kind of thing to work on? And you said something that in like my 20 some years of doing this, <laughs> nobody has ever said yeah. ever, which was no, I really loved working on complicated conforms. And yeah. I was just like, you know, it was like the like that scene from from uh, the Blues Brothers, you know, like in front of the church, like the, <laughs> the clouds parted and like a beam, like, yeah. you know, came down from the heavens. I know that scene. And uh, great movie. I was like, this is a man, this is a flame artist after my own heart. <laughs> what is it about working on conforms and especially complex ones that you, that just that appeals to you? Oh, man, I I think... It's it's funny you you caught me answering that question and I think I would still give that answer today but you caught me answering that question when I was potentially at the height of my interest in connected conform so I'm just I was just itching to get a hold of more things that I can connect together and uh, we can we can go into that for sure but I I think that's a big part of it I, I it's just very satisfying to me to come up with good workflows that are efficient that makes sense, that allow you to do the job in a, in a way that's easy for you to understand, easy to pick up, and and quick to iterate when it comes to versions. And the Connect Conform does that for me, and I was really excited to figure out how to make that work. And just using that on complicated conforms just gives me, I don't know, it gives me joy. The joy that I hear that a lot of other flame artists get when they get to like do a really creative shot. Mm -hmm. It's like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I can appreciate the creative shot. Maybe I need, maybe I need like 10 more years of experience to really feel happy and comfortable doing those real creative shots. Although I think maybe the answer is no, you'll never feel super comfortable doing those super creative shots because it's still going to be scary to a certain extent. But at least where I am right now, I, I get a lot of joy out of like executing those conforms because, you know, you have your rough cut, you know what to compare it to. 
I've done enough conforms that I feel super comfortable with with how they go down. Once you get to that point, it's like, what are, what are some ways on making it even easier, even faster, even better? And I, I find joy in that. I hear you. I, you know, like conforms for me are one of, it's, it's, it's almost like a secret pleasure, you know, mm. like I, I love the process. I love knowing like, I, especially if, like if it's, if this is a one-off, it's a one-off, you know that, but if you're working on something that you know is either going to be, or is, is, is a big project or it's going to be around for a while, or you know that it's, it's something that's going to live on, mm. you know, it's going to start as a, 60 and turn into a 30 or it's going to start as a 30 and turn into a 60 and you know it's going to come it's a seasonal thing and it's going to come back you know in the spring or whatever taking the time to get it right and set it up is just like it's like making your bed in the morning or something hmm. like you know that then when you come back to this it's going to be like perfect you know it's going to be ready for you it's the found it's the foundation of all your work i mean that's the other thing too you know especially uh if, if you're working on something collaborative collaboratively with other artists like the, yeah. the time that you put in to get that conform right is the foundation that the entire project is built upon oh yeah you know and it i what i think is fun is even even to this day even today today this happened and i'm very happy to share with you um it's it's that i don't know i don't i don't want to sound over whatever the word is show offy but even 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 though i may be not self-proclaimed, but even though I may be the connected conform guy, <laughs> I'm still finding more things that make it incredible. Like today, I I was using some adjustment batch effects because the need arose. You, I think you know mm -hmm. me, Andy. I'm not a big batch effects guy, but I know when to use it and when to avoid it. And I don't needlessly avoid it. I use it when it makes sense. It makes sense to add some darkening behind some of this these uh, supers I got today. And I learned today and... Interest. This is going to be a cool side note uh, that you can you have to set up manual connections, but you can connect gap adjustment layer batch effects. And so I mm -hmm. did I did one and I connected it and I copied and pasted it into another spot and then just lined it up so that it lined up. And then all you do is you you adjust one and then you sync it and then it gets you know sent to all the other ones. So now when you are adjusting the darkening behind the text and you find or the client says, hey. You got to adjust that. You just adjust it in one, you hit sync, and now it's in all of them. You don't have to like remember to do it in all of them. And little things like that is that's that is what gets me joy in the conform. It's not like dealing with footage that doesn't link up because you have the wrong handles. <laughs> or really? There's no joy in that? Really tough time warps where you have to do a motion estimation. It's not that. All the, it's, all the footage is at, is at 25, but your prep is at 24. <laughs> that, that doesn't bring you joy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's still not great. But it's it's those efficiencies with things like the you know adjustment layer batch effects connected from one spot to four and now you adjust it in one and adjust it in all of them. Those are the things that makes me excited for sure. I you know I I'm I'm sure that um, everybody listening to this can hear it in your voice, but I could see on Jeff's face like the the smile like his 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 like a <laughs> grin that went from ear to ear as he was talking about like finding a solution to the problem. And maybe that's that's really what what brings you joy, you know, is that mm. the conform can be a, a series of problems to solve, and the connected conform workflow solves those problems. And so, figuring out ways to, like you said, be efficient or find efficiencies or solve those problems before they happen is like uh, awesome, <laughs> you know. Maybe that's what that's really what the uh, the appeal is, you know, and and not the 
like not the conform itself, you know? Yeah, that that's a good way to put it. I think you're absolutely right. That makes sense to me. That's what I'm searching for. So in your opinion, then, like what's missing from Connect and Conform? What would make it perfect? Mm. And is there a concern? Is there a risk, uh, a worry, maybe, that if it solved all the problems, you'd you'd have nothing to do anymore. It would take like it would make it would make the fun go away, you know? Yeah. I that's that's a pretty hard one. I, I think that those two questions are pretty darn related. And just like just like what everyone else always says to to that question, I don't think it's gonna be that automated. And frankly, I think connected conform as a workflow is so difficult to execute from a development standpoint that I'm positive it's going to get better, but I'm struggling to wrap my head around how much better it can get because there's a lot of variables that they have to factor for variables that stem from editorial workflows, you know, like that's hard to, that's hard to anticipate from a development standpoint. There are too many variables. Even like if you think about it, the whole notion of like diff- working in different aspect ratios, you know, for social media, that wasn't even a thing when mm. like the Connect Conform first started. Yeah. I just think, you know, it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, that we'll, we'll find, uh, we as people uh, and creators, of course, but we as people will find uh, ways to make this process more <laughs> unbearably stupid you know, at a faster rate than software development could ever, you know, catch up. So I, 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 I guess our jobs are secure. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think so. Let's see though. What, well, I, I, I definitely have to preface anything that I say about the connected conform by saying that the way that I use it and the way that I've made tutorials on it is not even exactly the same workflow that the developers had in mind. My my workflow is more of a workaround, really. If you ask Stefan at Autodesk at Flame Dev Team, he I don't think he likes my workflow. No, because... and we have <laughs> we have asked him, and and he does yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I feel bad about it, but I mean it's. Uh, I think really do think it's one of those things that it's like, okay, agree to disagree because I always come at it from like, you know, the shot sequence expects a Goldilocks conform scenario where you're on, like, you're not using time warps or the time warps that you are using are perfect. As soon as that doesn't happen, I abandon the shot sequence and maybe I need to spend more time understanding how the shot sequence works and then maybe I'll have a eureka moment and then all of a sudden Stefan's workflow will work for me. But in all of the experiences that I've had, which by the way are rooted in a color grading workflow, so maybe that has something to do with it, Mm -hmm. but all of the experiences that I've, I've used the connect to conform with, I mean, it works with the workflow that I came up. That's, that's, you know, out of necessity. That's, that's why it happened. So with with that in mind that my connected conform workflow is actually a workaround it's hard to develop on that because they're going one path as a dev team for connected conform and I'm kind of branching off in another direction so uh it's sure there is like a laundry list of things that would make it better but 
I don't know. It's it's a really hard <laughs> thing. It's it's difficult. It's difficult. It's a complicated mm-hmm. thing too. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, you know, a minute ago you said something about the about working on like super creative shots and, you know, does like the the concern or the fear or the worry that you're going to be like handed something you've never seen before or whatever go away. I can tell you from my own experience the answer is no. Mm. That never goes away. Yeah. It every time I get handed something, I look at it and and there's there's always, I mean, or a spot, whatever, there's always a something where I look at it and go, oh my God, <laughs> how am I going to do this? Oh, how am I going to, you know, like, and inevitably you get through it. You know, you kind of chip away at the problem one mm-hmm. piece at a time and you, and you find a solution. But I, I think if that, if that feeling ever goes away completely, it's probably time for you to move on hmm. because there's always something new. Like there's always something to learn. There's always something new. There's always a new challenge. There's always something. For me, that's that's always been like the best part of the job. It's like one of the, like I know I can do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know that I can do this. And uh, from there, and that's how you learn new things. That's like you know learning new muscle groups or something like that. Your brain. Yeah, and you said this before, and it's 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 what you just said, and also like sometimes you mentioned the part about it where it's like the sinking feeling in your stomach about oh god, what have I signed up for? And <laughs> the more that I hear that, and I think other flame artists would agree, maybe around my level, above my level, a little bit below my level. I think it's nice to hear that because a lot of the times you think of. A lot of the times you worry that, oh, is it just me that is just feeling this way? Am I the only one who gets intimidated by a shot when I first see it or gets worried about not being able to execute it or worried about doing it as fast as other artists? The more that you hear that other artists feel this that same way, that same feeling, I think that makes you feel more comfortable as a flame artist, knowing that everyone goes through that same worry. That's That's definitely a comforting feeling, knowing that you're not alone in that regard. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your uh, your process in making tutorials. You make great tutorials, Jeff. Like when when Randy and I first had the idea to to do Logic Academy, you know, and and we approached you and and you very graciously said, you know, I would love to do something for Connect and Conform or do one on Connect and Conform. It was great. When you sent us like your first draft, we were just blown away. I mean, you <laughs> set the bar so high; it is completely it it it's wonderful. And I wanted to ask what your process was for coming up with those tutorials. Thank you. That's that's very nice of you to say. Um, my process. It takes a while. Definitely takes a while. It It's very similar to my essay writing process. And I'll give a little preface. I think I've mentioned it to you, but in college, I was a writing center tutor. So people would come to me to help them with their essays. But even my own essays, like even so I was a guy who helped people with all their essays all the time. That was like my, my side job when I was in college. But my essays still took forever to write. It takes me a long time. And my tutorials are exactly the same way. It takes me such a long time. It's mind boggling. So I know some people, they were able to write essays in like a couple hours. And I'm sure some people can make tutorials in a couple hours. But for me, it's just a long time, a long time of writing, like coming up with a, a an overview, um, bare bones, like ideas down on paper. And it takes me a long time to come up with a script of like what I'm going to say. And then really, once that's done, it's really just a matter of executing it, recording it, 
rec- uh, the video and the audio part. And it's funny, every step of the way, just thinking back on it, just takes so darn long. I, I must, re- I think I remember looking at the list of audio takes, just audio takes. I remember for the, like the Connect to Conform video is like 500 audio takes. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, you know, 500 pressing record and then pressing stop. So it's like, you know, record. I Ideally, it would be like one, like, you know, you press record, you record it, you stop recording and then it's done. But, you know, it's getting this right, getting that right, re-recording that. Oh, that didn't sound good. Let me try that again. Sometimes I'm doing one line 10 times. Sometimes one line is is fine by itself. But but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm a big tutorial listener. I love I, I, there's a chance that I learned the best from tutorials, just the ability to look at something on your own pace, rewind it, go back, watch it again, like pause it, look at the screen. So I'm a big ingester of tutorials. That's how I, that's kind of exclusively how I learned After Effects and Cinema 4D. Flame, obviously, a little bit different of a program. The tutorials for Flame are very good, but it just so happens that I learned most of what I learned on Flame sitting next to someone learning from them. But um, even that that being said, I I kind of know what I like in tutorials, and I try to mimic that. And I don't know. I just I put a lot of time into it. Maybe maybe it shows. Uh, oh, it totally shows. And I'm enjoying it. These are subjects that I really they're close to my heart. They mean a lot to me. And you know, even even though it might not be aligned with Stefan on the connected to the forum, hopefully we can agree the image node is uh, <laughs> non-divisive. That 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 one can stand by itself. <laughs> sure, yeah. You're still telling me there's something in the flame community that's not divisive. There's always somebody out there. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, but anyway, th- thanks for saying that. That's they're very oh, nice sure. of you, and I'm glad that pe- I mean that people are a handful of people are talking to me all the time about how happy they are. Like. It's funny. It feels like once a week I'm getting a message on LinkedIn or mm-hmm. Discord saying, "Hey, I just watched the tutorial. Thanks for doing that." And it feels so great. It's so nice to to get that. That's that's that alone is makes all of this worthwhile. Just being able to help like that. Because I think if as much as I'm super duper happy doing everything that I'm doing as a flame artist, I have to say I think my dream job, and it's a dream job because I don't know how feasible it ever be, but dream job is definitely to be the equivalent of a writing center tutor for flame people. I, I wish I could sit in a kiosk and someone could come in with their shot and we can talk about it. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, you should try this and try that. And then they walk away and then I wait for the next person. That, that'd that be so much fun. <laughs> but I agree with you a hundred percent. And, uh, you know, like I, I used to teach, uh, part-time I taught, like a uh, flame at, at, and, and then other compositing apps like uh, once a week, one night a week at NYU. Yeah. You've mentioned that's so cool that you did that. That's awesome. I, I loved it. It was so rewarding. I just, it, it just, it, I loved it. And I would love nothing more than to, you know, to do more stuff like that. But I think you're right. If we could have like a, like a writing center, <laughs> you know, basically if someone comes in, that's kind of what we're trying to do in some regard you know, with, with logic is, uh, is to create a place where if anybody has a question or if they're stuck, you can ask and get, get back on track, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You've definitely done that. The forums are exactly that. And even discord to a certain extent is exactly that forums, maybe more formal discord informal for sure. Mm-hmm. There's been some great sessions on discord, uh, in the last couple of weeks where like there'll be an artist who will just, you know, share their screen while they're working for 
six hours or something and people just drop in and talk, you know, and bullshit and talk about, you know, someone, someone will be doing some rotoing, you know, or that, that artist will be doing some rotoing and then everybody will chime in with like, Oh, how are you doing that? Or this is the way I would do that or whatever. It's just this like amazing opportunity to learn and share. Yeah. Props to Amanda for pushing that, but you know, props for the whole community for that. I I think my, my only qualm with that is I wish, I wish that we didn't have to worry so much about NDA projects because yeah. it'd be so much nicer to be able to just do that without worrying about. And again, we're trying to vet the community as best we can. So like almost 100% certain that no one would do this, but you can't take the risk. You can't just put your commercial yeah. on Discord for someone to screen share and ruin your company. <laughs> but yeah, 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 it is nice if you have those freebie projects to be able to share your screen and have that scenario happen. That, that's awesome. And Amanda's been great for doing that. Totally. Well, let's talk image node. Like, yeah. You you were involved with, uh, in, with with the beta team and everything like early on, right? Or for, for several years in uh, image node development? I Yeah. When you put it that way, it sounds pretty official. But yeah, it was, it was a very exciting time. Um, Flame had just come out with the image node or was about to come out with the image node, or maybe they had just come out. I I forget all of the specifics, but what I do remember is that the company I was working for, Nice Shoes, had asked me as a up and coming flame artist if I was interested in exploring what it meant to be a flame artist colorist. And they put me in touch with the dev team. And what happened was I would be working both with the colorists at Nice Shoes to learn more about what it meant to be a colorist. And they had used Baselight, but obviously the skills are transferable. And then I would take that information and I would work with the dev team uh, through someone named Alex Arce, who would just stop by every couple weeks and we would just chat about workflows and I would tell him what I learned from the colors and what kind of stuff they're looking for. And in turn, I would that kind of like work it so that so learning from the colorists and then learning what from Alex and the dev team, what the tools can do in flame that that turned me into something of a colorist. I'd say it was like a colorist crash course because on both sides, I was learning the technical and the theoretical and it was pretty it was pretty awesome to experience that. And yeah, with, with that, I became, I'd say, since I was using it so much, I became pretty darn good at the image node, knowing how to use it, what to use it for, and how to do flame color. And since then, I've done a few side projects where I do color grading inside of flame. And it's it's been great. I've been having a great time. So before you got into that, you, you didn't have a color background at all? I, I'd say n- no. Um, similarly to After Effects, I know that there was a, a color book on the shelf that I just kind of looked at. I don't know. I, t- I took it home a bunch and I would flip through it. I did read the whole thing cover to cover eventually. But yeah, uh, no, not too much experience with color grading. That's for sure. But I, I don't know. B- being able to sit on color sessions like I did a number of times, that helps a lot. That helps a lot more than any book or tutorial, being able to see how it actually unfolds. That's pretty mm-hmm. invaluable. That's really invaluable. Yeah. How a colorist runs a room is entirely different from how a flame artist runs a room. It's just a different relationship with the client and with the material, I think. Oh, yeah. 
yeah that that alone it's it's a uh, running the room and then being able to execute that's two different worlds that's for sure okay so in your first logic academy tutorial you covered uh connected conform and in the second one you covered the image node what what i think is interesting about both of these is that they're like they're not really features of flame they're workflows mm. you know uh, I remember you explaining that to me because like, I was terrified of Connected Conform until we started working together and you took me through it. And that was like a revelation for me that this wasn't a feature. It was a workflow. It was a way of thinking. It was a way of structuring your work. Mm. Uh, the image node is is similar, right? It's more than just a feature. It's a workflow that can be used in a variety of different ways. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. It's not just you're following a list of steps. It's not like you're you're always doing this, 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 and don't forget to do that. It's more of like, okay, here's your tool chest again. Here's another tool chest that you can open up. You might use this part. You might use that part. You won't use that one very much, but you know, maybe once <laughs> in a while you will. It's a lot like that. And I have a lot of fun using the image node. Um, spend a lot of time with it. I think it it's cool. It makes sense if you know what to look for and where to go. I think it's, I don't know, it's, for a long time, it's been a work in progress. I think at this point, I've used it on enough color jobs and other jobs that I feel confident that it's a finished product. Sh sure, it has. I think the the biggest hurdle that a lot of people, it's tough for them to get around would be the uh, the lack of matte outputs. That That's one if you're using it in batch. That's usually a, a bit of a showstopper. But, you know, just as my tutorial covers, there are workarounds. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. For me, that's always one of the best, uh, like, well, features <laughs> about your tutorials is they're, they're, they're kind of structured from that point of view of, like, these are the things that you're going to hit. Mm. You know, these are the stumbling blocks or the roadblocks that you're going to hit as part of using this workflow that you really need to be aware of. So you don't, you don't run into the problem that, like, I ran into in some of these things, which is where... I'd get to a point, realize I couldn't do something, and then just went, well, this is useless, and then just put it off to the side and just went back and did it the old way. Yeah, it's it's so true. That that stops so many people. It, so many people are, are guilty of that, and it makes perfect sense why. It's just that's how we work. We're not going to waste our time with something if you don't think it's going to work. And I think it's... it's tempting to go down the path when you're making a tutorial of like showcasing the perfect scenarios that allow you mm -hmm. to make it work every time. But uh, I, I think it's slightly misleading to not mention. It's like you show the, the picture perfect scenario of what works. And I think it's, it's really a travesty to not mention. I know it would make you look bad. And that's maybe why Autodesk can never make these tutorials that I'm making because I'm not, a, you know, I'm not, legally obligated to not mention the negative aspects. You don't have you know? shareholders? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and that's why I'm having a great time doing this. Like I, I think what I mentioned in all the tutorials, it's like it's by a flame artist for flame artists. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm here to to make it make the most sense. And I'm trying to phrase it in ways that other flame artists can appreciate. And that's definitely one of those things of making sure that I mention the pitfalls, the gotchas, those are really, those are, as you said, those are important. Those are really the highlights for me, for sure. Mm, totally. It's problem solving. It goes back to what you said at the very beginning about why you loved Connected Conform and then Conforms, you know. Wow. Um, you really and, know how to tie I, things together. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, where's the music? Do I have the music somewhere? I always usually have it handy. Well, it's like it's inspired me because I have, uh, I'm going to be doing uh, a Logic Academy 
coming up in uh, the beginning of 2022. Oh, great. And um, it's, it's kind of the, the way you've structured yours has really kind of inspired me to, to structure mine. So I don't know if I want to give away what it is going to be about yet. Uh, and no, it's not about hosting a podcast. <laughs> you do a great job with that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, I wanted to circle back to the the beginning of our chat and just talk a little bit more about um, you as a flame artist. I've had artists on the podcast who are, you know, 25-year veterans who have worked all over the world and are the senior of senior flame artists. I've had artists on the podcast who are juniors, who are just starting out. You're the first person I've had on the podcast, the first artist I've had on the podcast, who's like an intermediate level flame artist, who's been doing it for a few years, has certainly had exposure into, into you know, different facets or aspects of the process and the job, but not everything. And, you know, even like you said earlier uh, in the conversation here about, you know, there, there are things that come across your plate still that, you know. Maybe they're new or maybe, you know, you're not sure. They make you nervous or you're not sure how you're going to tackle this. What does it mean to you to be an, an, an intermediate level flame artist? And how much do you think you've grown in the, in the last two years? And no, this is not uh, like an ad hoc, like performance review <laughs> or anything like that, even though that's probably what it sounds like. I swear, this is totally off the record, except that it's being recorded and put on the internet. Yeah, this is my public performance review. No pressure. <laughs> No, I obviously I feel pretty comfortable with my intermediate flame artistness because it's it's who I am. It's where I am right now and I and I love that. I think that to be a really great senior artist, you just have to have I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's definitely possible to be a a great senior flame artist with as many years as I've had, which is how many years? F 4 years now. But I think I would argue like maybe maybe someone's really putting in the time and effort to make that like they're grinding. But I think you really just need a certain number of years. I don't know what the exact number is of like having done compositing for that long. And then once you have like, I don't know, 10 years under your belt, then you can start to say, yeah, I'm a senior flame artist. But I don't know. You just have to have done a lot of stuff the 10,000 hours before you you really are the master of your domain and i'm i'm happy being where i am sure i might know some subjects better than some because they're new subjects they haven't been around for that long but the bread and butter of compositing i i know how to do enough of what i need to do to get my job done and i think i'm pretty good at it but yeah i don't know definitely i i wouldn't say i'm a senior flame artist yet because i just don't have I don't just like enter a shot and just like command that shot like I've seen some flame artists do. And I'm I'm comfortable enough with that that fact that that's all right with me. And you know, all I can do is embrace those things that I do know very well and my way of doing that is making those tutorials. <laughs> Amen. Your career is an accumulation. Mm. You know, like it picks up steam as the you know, it's like a snowball like rolling down the hill, you know, the the more you do, the more you do, you know. Yeah. And yeah. experience is just, you know, you've, you've survived that many tragedies, <laughs> disasters, mistakes, you know, like you've seen it. That's, that's really it. You, you've, you've, you've just had the, the benefit of time and therefore the benefit of exposure to like all of, uh, all of the variable or as many variables as possible. It's like, it's how I can look at something and have the butterflies in my stomach about, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I, I, I know that I can do this. Yeah. And, and you know what else came to mind? It's that. I think it has a lot to do with your your development has a lot to do with kind of being 
active and understanding what you're doing when you're doing it. Like, I think if you're just kind of going through the motions and not paying all the attention to what you're doing, like, you know, you're stabilize this, paint that out, move on, next shot, do this, do that, next shot. I think if you're too, if you're doing that too much, then maybe you aren't learning as much as you can versus if you're like, and I don't mean to, I don't mean like slow down and work on shots at an excruciating pace, pace, but maybe at the end of a job, looking back and like really understanding like, oh, you know what? I, that didn't work out that great. It was, I was under a lot of pressure. Uh, next time I do that, I really got to remember to do this, this, this. I think that's where, like, if you do enough of those moments where you like, if, if you got, like, hopefully you have enough time to do this, but it's probably a good practice and a really great workflow to like sit there and like post post-mortem think about the shots that you've done and maybe what you can do to improve I, th I think that's maybe the best way to really get better and if if you do enough of those with like every job that you've worked on yeah man that's a lot of experience and and moving yourself to the next level that's great you know it's it's, it's perfect it's great advice for a, a junior who might be listening it's also great advice for someone more senior who's listening because mm. you know I think you I think you do have an excellent like vantage point in that you're not terrified <laughs> and you're also not jaded, <laughs> you know, like you're right in the middle there. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it's a beautiful place to be. Agreed. Well, thanks, man. I want to thank you for, uh, obviously for coming on the show today, but more than anything else, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for all of the, the time, love and passion you've given to logic. I don't know how many people know, but Jeff has, you know, really been a huge help with, with discord and getting that going along with Eddie and just always being available on the forum, like you said, on, on LinkedIn, anywhere, anywhere anybody has a question. <laughs> Jeff's cat, Lydia, <laughs> has entered the podcast and the tail keeps hitting Jeff in the eye. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it. No one can see that, but I know. hopefully it's not brushing up against the microphone. <laughs> no, no, it's it's perfect. Yeah, I, I'm having a great time being in this community. It's It's been a lot of fun. Discord's a cool place just because... I'm a gamer person, so I'm already there usually. So it's just one tab away from from helping someone with the flame problem. It's funny because it's like I'm in a bunch of discords. So I see like this game, this game, this game, and then logic. And so it's like I pop over there and it's flame stuff. It's so different from the rest, but I love it. <laughs> I've said forever, you know, that like the job of being a flame artist is very demanding. So it might as well be fun, mm. you know, or as much fun as we can make it. And thank you for, you know, doing everything you can to help make this job as fun as it can be. I appreciate it. Happy to help. Happy to be a part of it for sure. Thanks, man. I'll see you next time. <laughs> see you next time. Everyone knows that Boris Effects makes the best plugins in the business. Mocha, Sapphire, Silhouette Paint, Continuum, and the new Optics. You can save 15% on all of Boris Effects plugins, either standalone or subscription, by using the code LOGIC-15 at checkout. That's capital L, lowercase o-g-i-k, dash one five, at checkout. This episode of The Logic Podcast is brought to you by Cynesis.io. To find out more about their remote workflow solutions, check them out at Cynesis.io. See you next time.